Welcome to The Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me, and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 53 of The Body Nerd Show. On today's episode, I am joined by a very special guest, and we're sharing how you can strengthen your vision and ditch your glasses. Plus, what I've been doing over the last 20 days that's improved my eyesight significantly, and the specific exercises, or as my guest calls them, relaxercises, that you can do to improve your vision too. So when I started getting up way earlier in the morning, one of the surprising side effects was that my eyes got super dry, like painfully dry. So I posted on my Instagram stories and today's guest popped into my DMs with advice that surprised me. She said, don't use eye drops. They're only going to make the problem worse. And I was like, wait, what? Don't use eye drops? But I thought eye drops made your eyes more hydrated. When it comes to body stuff, use it or lose it 100% applies. And I've shared that with you guys time and time again. So I never had really thought about your eyes and eye health and that use it or lose it applies there as well. And it makes sense. I mean, your eyes are a part of your body and they are run by muscles in your brain. It's no different than anything else. So today's guest is Vision improvement coach Claudia Mullenweg from myholisticvision.com. And she teaches vision re-education through relaxation of your eyes and your mind to help you regain normal, effortless eyesight. And she was running this free 2020 vision challenge that I joined and I downloaded all of the resources she gave and started doing some of these exercises to help relax my eyes. Now, I will say my prescription isn't super strong. I think it's like 0.75, but it was enough that I definitely need correction while driving to read street signs and things like that, or so I thought. But I also figured I don't really have anything to lose. Most of my day is spent here in front of the computer, and it's not so hard to read the computer for me because I'm nearsighted. So after my conversation with her, I did the exercises that she shared, and my eyesight improved. And it improved by a lot. So I'll talk more about it in our conversation in just a second. And I will say I still wear correction to drive, so the DMV can just calm down. But I realized that I was overcorrecting when I didn't really need to. So Claudia has always hated her glasses, and she's made it her mission to help others see clearly and naturally, just like she's done. And she offers webinars, online programs, memberships, private coaching, and helps all of her clients see better no matter what vision challenge they struggle with, including eye diseases. And what I love most about her and her approach is that she's focused on finding the root cause of her client's blurry vision instead of using symptomatic treatments like glasses, contacts, or surgery that can actually make your eyesight worse in the long term. Think of them like braces for your eyes, and you know how I feel about braces if you've listened to any episodes here. But if you're new here, just know I like to do stuff different. I like that you have the capacity to change your body, to change your pain, and now I've learned to change your eyes. 
So I'm excited to dive deeper into what the heck happened to my eyesight and how you too can improve your vision and get more clarity without correction. Here's Claudia. Okay, Miss Claudia, so excited to have you with us today. Before we dive into all the nerdiness about your eyes, I want to know, what do you like to get nerdy about? I like to get nerdy about all things eyes and specifically the brain, because that's where our vision actually happens in the brain. Mm -hmm. You know, that to me, like that point was the most interesting part of this whole experiment for myself. Um, because it took about, you know, the first couple of days of not wearing my glasses was very, I mean, sort of disorienting, you know? Um, and then about day three, my brain was like, okay, it's blurry, but we can still see. And then I was able to make out more stuff. Like, is that common? Yes, that's super common. So the, you know, you know a lot about the nervous system too, right? So when we are stressed, we are in sympathetic mode and that makes everybody's vision blurry. Your pupils dilate and your vision isn't as clear. And so when you, when you see, so it's kind of like a cycle, right? When you are, when your vision is blurry, you might also not be relaxed because like you said, you were disoriented or you're scared or maybe I don't see this or I trip over something or mm -hmm. so, so that kind of is a vicious cycle. And eventually you're relaxed because you're like, Hey, I'm okay. You know, I'm safe. Nothing is happening to me. <laughs> so yeah. I can survive a little bit of blur. Yeah. 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 So as a vision improvement coach, what does the type of work, like, what does it look like the way you work with clients and what outcomes do you help them achieve? So what it looks like, I, there's definitely, there's several ways to work with me. So I started working one-on-one -on -one with clients, just private sessions in my practice in Los Angeles. And then I also work with clients online. Now I have an online course, I have a membership and I have a process. So it's a step-by-step -step process that I take people through. And it really starts with um, getting out of those strong prescriptions, just like you did mm -hmm. and noticing also how your vision fluctuates. And that goes for everyone. So even if you had 2010 vision, your vision is affected by, you know, so many factors, your stress level, I already mentioned that, but your sleep. Um, how much water you drink, how relaxed are you, the light, there's so many factors that affect your vision and just checking in, hey, when is my vision best? When is it worse? Do I notice patterns? Is it like always worse in the morning? Is it always worse in the evening? Like what tasks, what feelings, what, um, what situation make my vision better or worse? Like, mm -hmm. you know, basically tuning and emotions can you, you know, affect your vision Mm -hmm. um, relationships, so many factors. So just noticing what's going on, that's always the first step. And then also, if you cannot go without, you were lucky you could go without glasses, right? But there's, you know, people that have stronger prescriptions that are like more than minus one or minus plus two, you mm -hmm. need some kind of reduced strength glasses uh, for this process. Right. And so, yeah. So do you want me to go through the whole process or? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, let me just start off too. So for listeners who are like, okay, no way. Is it even possible for me to get rid of my glasses? You know, we were connected because I was posting my stories about how my eyes were really dry. And you said, well, don't use drops. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Don't use drops. And so I'm always curious of, um, you know, things that go against what we like collectively think is true. Cause it happens all the time in the body world. I mean, you know, like that's what I'm always talking about. 
Um, and so we had a conversation. I sent you my prescription and even like a little sheepishly because you're like, this is like such a pathetic prescription. I'm like, I know, I know. But I've worn glasses since ninth grade of high school. So I was like 14 when I got them. And we also talked about like the emotional piece of it as well. I was the only person in my family without glasses. So finally getting them felt like a real rite of passage. And then as part of this process, and I'll say too, I didn't adhere to all of the exercises that you told me to do. <laughs> um, I did many of them infrequently, which is funny because that's all I tell my clients, like, you got to do the work. And then I didn't do it. But what I found, and I imagine that many people may also find this to be true as well, was that I was overcorrecting for what I was spending a majority of my time doing. So just like you were saying, oh, what are your eyes doing when you're at the computer or outside on a walk or whatever? And because I'm nearsighted and 80% of my time is spent in front of a computer or inside my house, which definitely doesn't need long distance vision, I don't need my glasses for any of that. And I used the, when you say 2010 vision or 2020, that, is that just part of that visual acuity assessment? Yes, correctly. That's a, it's one aspect of measuring your eyesight and that's exactly visual acuity on a static object and eye chart. Yes. And when, it, when you say 2010, what does that mean? So 20, so this whole system was developed by Harman Snellen, which was a Dutch ophthalmologist in the um, 19th century. And he uses the person with the best vision that he knew and devised this system, which is like, kind of like, I don't want to say random, like, but any system that we have, right? Where we say that your cholesterol is okay at that level. So that's what he did. It basically, it means that the 2020 line on the eye chart, a person with normal vision can see that line at 20 feet. Okay. So, and 2010 means that you can see the line that a person with normal vision could see at 10 feet. You can see that line at 20 feet. So it means it's twice as good as normal vision, basically, if that makes sense. But yeah, okay. it's, it's somebody came up with a system. And so 2020 doesn't mean that your vision is the best vision it can be, right? Mm -hmm. And it's also one aspect of vision. Like you already said, it's visual acuity and it doesn't, you know, there's night vision, depth perception, binocular vision, color vision, peripheral vision, right? So that's just one aspect, but that's what everybody is concerned with. <laughs> right, right. It's like a badge of honor to have right. 2020. Well, and... Um, you know, at, when we had our conversation too, it just made such great sense that you could change your eyesight because your vision is governed by muscles too, even down to astigmatism, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. You have six uh, outer eye muscles and astigmatism is basically like, when, like, let me backtrack. So a, a normal perfect cornea looks like the slice of a regular ball, like say a, bas a basketball, right? It's like a dome-shaped and um, if some of the muscles, um, some of the six muscles are tighter than others, they create an uneven pull. And the cornea is an extension of the eyeball, basically. So then if one muscle pulls tighter, that dome shape is not perfect anymore. So it becomes more like one curve is steeper than another. So more, think more of an American football, like the tip of an American football. Mm -hmm. So that's what happens in astigmatism. I think I still need to go back to my eye doctor and change my prescription. I'll tell you about that in a second. <laughs> But like literally my mind is still blown at how easy it was to make change in my vision. Because typically we wear glasses and you're like, well, this is it. And it's only going downhill from here. But I mean, glasses end up being a brace like anything else, right? 
Correct. And you pointed, you said something earlier about long distance and being at the computer. So what most people don't know is diopters really correctly for one single distance. It's a measurement based on meters and focal point. So when you are nearsighted, like you, you mentioned already, you are basically checked at 20 feet or six meters for anybody that's grown up with the metric system. <laughs> um, but if you spend your day two feet away from the computer or like 60 centimeters away from the screen, you are way overcorrected, um, you know, for that distance. And so what happens usually when you start with what, the, the, so the glasses you had were called single distance glasses, meaning, you know, and maybe your listeners have heard that term, but it basically means for one distance. And the first thing I always tell my clients is like, yeah, if you spend all day at the computer and you're corrected for distance vision, there's no need, either no glasses like for you or way reduced strength for the near point. So you don't ever want to wear more than whatever distance you're looking at. And what they try to do when you reach, either when you reach that age or when, yeah, usually it's when you get older. Yeah, right. You're still young. So you can still look at your screen with those glasses that are corrected for the distance. It's way more effort for the eyes, but you can kind of pull it off. Right. But right. as you get older, it's like, it's an additional effort. And then that usually doesn't work. So nearsighted people usually take their glasses off, but let's say you wear contacts or you don't want to take your glasses off. Right. Um, which is you get, contacts, which is what I wore all the time. Right. And then you get progressive lenses or multifocal lenses, which, uh, you know, have the, the idea is that, oh, now you have different diopter strength for different distances, but the key thing, and you would really appreciate that as a wellness coach and movement teacher that they assume that when you look straight ahead, that you look into the distance, when you look down, you're reading. But now you look at the computer, which is straight ahead, right? So a lot of times you see people tilting their, head, their chin up to look to the lower part. Or when you look down and you're hiking or you're just going down a flight of stairs, mm -hmm. that correction is way is off. And so you know, the brain will, the brain is an amazing organ and it will always adjust, right? So mm -hmm. people that get those glasses initially say, oh my God, I couldn't, like, they fall. A lot of times there's lots of falls, mm. especially with older people. Um, but the brain eventually adjusts, but they create so many postural problems, which also relate to astigmatism, but that's a whole nother story. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. I mean, I see in clients and, you know, my parents of having to use like physically move their body to use the glasses the way they were designed. So anything you could do to improve that in my book, it's like, well, why not? Because it also, just like everything else, it affects multiple systems. We're not just talking about the eyes, but all kinds of things, you know? Right. Your posture, your balance, all these, yeah, everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the thing that's a pro I think that's the thing that makes me most uh, upset is that, you know, like you mentioned, like, how can we, of course we can change, you know, first of all, vision happens in the brain, but even the eyes, they are very soft, squishy structures surrounded by six strong muscles. And, you know, eye doctors, you know, look at the, they don't look at the human, the whole person, right? They look at this eyeball as if you can take it out like a car park, right? You, you, <laughs> you know, you look, at, so you look at this, yeah, you take it out and then you examine it and then you fix it, but it's attached to the brain, the body, to, to everything, right? So it's made out of, you know, flesh and muscles and blood and um, fluid. So it's, you know, it's, it's as changeable as anything else in the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, let me. I'm just like so many rabbit holes are here, right now, but let me share my assessment. So I printed out the eye chart that you provided, 
the visual acuity assessment chart, which is for anyone who's ever had their eyes tested, you know, it has like the E at the top and then the different letters and it progressively gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And then I used a measuring tape uh, and stood 10 feet away, which is like the standard distance, right? Well, usually it would be 20 feet, but you can, it's, it's 10 feet is basically half. So you just adjust the numbers, right? It's, yeah. Oh, okay. It's 20, well, most plus, you know, most optometrists office, you know, they use a mirror. So they use, now right. they use a projector. So because most offices are not 20 feet in distance, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, but 10 feet is totally fine. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll let you do the math because I, <laughs> not my cup of tea. So the first day I tested, I was able to read line eight and it was fuzzy with both eyes. And then I tested again today and that was exactly 20 days after I started this experiment and I was able to read line 10, still fuzzy, but I could read it. Whereas before it was not, I mean, it was just a blob of things. I mean, it's like two, two steps. Is that like insane? Is that Tell me what happened. No, that is totally great, especially since you didn't really do any practices, right? <laughs> All you did is like you really. So the equivalent of line eight would be um, twenty forty, and so I mean, technically, if you measure at ten feet, just to explain to your listeners, so the first number is the distance you're viewing it at, mm-hmm. right? So technically, it would be ten twenty. Right, what, what, what you saw the first line eight would be ten twenty, but I translate this always to twenty because that's what people are used to. So it's the equivalent of 2040, which mm-hmm. you would be... So basically the DMV in California, um, you, were, you were able to drive without glasses. If you see that line when you go to the Department of Motor Vehicles and they test your vision, the line eight, the 2040, what is the line that you... When you read that, you don't need glasses to drive. Oh. Right? So that's the first thing. And the second, the line 10, is the equivalent of 2025. Um, and one line lower would be 2020, right? So you, you're very close to 2020 vision. You're 2025 if you translate it to 20 feet. Oh my gosh, that yes. is so cool. And yeah. some of the exercises I did, I was in my, uh, my courtyard between the two apartment buildings and I was doing the long swing exercise where you stand uh-huh. um, and you rotate your body and there's a natural eye movement that happens. Um, and then a neighbor who I don't really, I don't even know her name was getting into her car and I was just like, Oh my goodness, I look so bizarre. Just like, <laughs> and then doing the, the like strobing where you like close your eyes and you know, all that kind of stuff. I looked probably quite interesting. Um, tell me more about some of these exercises that I was supposed to do and I failed at, um, and how they work to improve your vision. Cause I definitely could see, I mean, even something like the, um, the relaxation one where you just like cover your eyes and sit there. I did an experiment at my kitchen table, like almost every morning where let me read the microwave clock and then let me let my eyes rest, close them, cover them, and then look again. And I could always see the clock like a thousand times better after doing that. So tell me more about these exercises. So what you just, since people are listening and they can't see you. So what you just did, you covered your eyes with your cupped hands and that's called palming from the palm of the hand Good vision is always based on relaxation. Mm. And that comes back to the nervous system, right? The rest and digest, the parasympathetic nervous system being relaxed. And relaxed is not the same as rest. Rest is doing nothing. And palming is basically a rest because you're closing your eyes. Your eyes are closed. You're covering them with your cupped hands. It's warm. It's relaxing. It's a rest because you're not seeing anything. It's, you know, it's black. But that rest is usually a great way to experience relaxation. 
So when I first work with clients, a lot of times they don't even notice when they're straining. They're like, you know, like mm-hmm. the thing is with glasses. So let me say that glasses allow you to strain and still give you clarity. If you don't wear glasses and you strain and you make an effort or you squint or you stare or you hold your breath or whatever form of strain that you create will result in a blur. Mm-hmm. That's so palming is a way where you rest. It's kind of like a reset. You rest, but you also, it's a, for most people, the easiest way to notice relaxation. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a passive relaxation because you're not, you know, it's like Shavasana and yoga, right? You're resting. Shavasana is not sleep. And so palming is not sleep. It's a way to rest, but to also to relax, to kind of reset. And then you were talking about strobing, which is um, you close your eyes. It's, it's done with sunlight or bright light. And then you, um, you move your hands with your fingers spread, right? Really rapidly across, like, across your face. Like, so you kind of wave your hands. Like jazz hands. Yeah. Jazz hands. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I just, jazz hands. That's funny. But then it creates a flickering or like a strobing effect behind your closed eyelids. And that stimulates your pupil reaction. And it also stimulates your saccadic eye movements, which are teeny tiny mini vibrations. So your eyes are moving all the time. A healthy eye moves all the time. It's little, yeah, I think vibrations is the best way to to call it. Um, And that's also what you do with the long swing. So the long swing that you described, you stand with your feet externally rotated and you're basically moving your whole body in a 180 degree circle and your head, like I always say, the head, the nose and the navel are kind of in one line. So you're not moving your, your neck more than your torso. You're pivoting on one foot and then the other. So you're not twisting your knees. And you, the idea is that your eyes are always looking straight ahead. So the eyes are not jumping ahead. They're not getting stuck on anything. As if you are, your head is like a duster or something, right? And your eyes are like the, the, the bristles are kind of dusting the environment. And what mm-hmm. this does it's making, you know, your eyes are making, when you, when you let your eyes relax, they're making these teeny tiny vibrational jumps, those saccadic eye movements. And it looks really interesting when you, when you, did you film yourself when you did it? Did you do that? No, I didn't. I oh, was okay. already too embarrassed. Being out in public. <laughs> well, cause this was the interesting thing that I also found my apartment, like there wasn't great enough distance to allow my eyes to like really work, which is why I was doing it in the courtyard. Well, see, the thing is, that's the problem with the language sometimes because we say work or we make an effort. Um, ideally, in the long swing, your eyes are not, like initially, and that even happens to me sometimes, the first 10 or 20 swings, you're, you're, you're still trying to move your eyes, right? Versus your head mm. is moving and your eyes are following along. Um, you know, our brain is always interested, right? We're always moving around. Um, so you basically think of, you're moving your body and your, your head and your eyes are following along. So you're not trying to make your eyes move or make little jumps. They automatically do that as you, as you do that kind of 180 degrees swinging back and forth. Mm-hmm. And that is well, really and- relaxing for the eyes, by the way. Yeah. Oh, this whole, you know what, they, these 20 days, I am more acutely aware of my eyeballs, <laughs> just like as an organ as to when straining has happened, which, which is not something I was ever aware of before. Um, but obviously it was happening, you know, at the computer, if I spend the whole morning at the computer, then I literally have to close my eyes and, you know, do the palming or, or even just like 
do a meditation, just something to give them relaxation. And I think that overall, we are hyper-stimulated through our visual environment. I mean, I'm sitting in a room now, there's like a hundred different colors in here. <laughs> and so even if like you don't think that your eyes, you're like, oh no, no, my eyes are fine. I just really encourage you to try it because you're going to probably be surprised. Because straining, we had talked about straining too. And I was like, oh, I don't strain. I'm never like squinting or anything <laughs> like that. Um, and then I went on a hike and didn't take my glasses and I um, felt fine through the hike. And then my eyes were so tired and it triggered a little bit of a tension headache that was instantly resolved by rolling. But the other thing I've noticed to a lesser degree over these last 20 days is that my neck tension is nowhere near as tight, which is like not a good descriptor, but like, not that I had neck pain, but like it was rock hard. And I know like that that's not great. And it really, truly like my husband will reach over and just like, you know, rub my shoulder and always be like, Oh, stop. Come on. Like I didn't stop it. And it's not that way anymore. So the straining was happening even without me being aware of it and removing the correction has allowed me to, to feel it, you know? No, this is a great observation. And most strain is unconscious. Most strain is unconscious, right? It's like how we do chest breathing when we're stressed, right? And that creates all the tension in the neck. Or, you know, you had a stigmatism correction in there, which kind of only gives you clarity in the exact center of your glasses. And, and that's another thing I wanted to touch on since you kind of, well, you just inspired me. So there's a focus with glasses, especially, and especially with a stigmatism correction, to really only use our central vision. And this is one key principle of eyesight that really blew me away when I first heard this. Our actual area of clarity is super, super, super tiny. It's literally the size of a pinhead. Tiny, mm. tiny spot where we have absolute clarity. Um, and then you, you can test that on anything. Maybe your listeners, any, you know, if you look at text, look at one letter and notice that even the letter next to it, even in small print, is not as clear as the one that you're looking at. So, mm -hmm. so we have this huge peripheral field, right? And the extreme periphery is on the sides, top and bottom, on the outer periphery. And then there's a middle periphery and a near periphery. And the near periphery is still much clearer than the middle or outer periphery. But especially when we wear glasses, there's a tendency to kind of get a tunnel vision effect, right? So putting a lot of strain on that central vision and not just the center, but that near peripheral vision um, but kind of ignoring the outer periphery and the middle periphery. Mm -hmm. um, because, and that nobody has clarity there. So it has nothing to do with glasses or contacts. We, we human, our human eyes only have that teeny tiny spot of clarity, which is um, the fovea and the retina. That's where your light rays get bundled to the fovea. It's a tiny spot in the retina. Um, and that's where we have forgotten now. I'm blanking on the exact percentage, but I think like over 50% of our visual input goes into that little tiny spot in the retina and then the rest is peripheral vision. Like that's how we see clearly, but we only see clearly because we're moving our eyes, healthy eyes or your brain, you know, your attention is moving all the time. So we have this feeling, we see this huge picture, which we do, right? But we don't see it clearly. We only see the spot that we're looking at clearly. And that's one of the key principles. So you might have a common form of strain is trying to see, let's say you look at your smartphone to see the whole phone clear at once, which mm. is totally impossible. And that's why I always say enlarging the text is actually a bad thing. A lot of people that have vision problems make their text bold or really large because 
the smaller the print, the more you automatically have to move your eyes, right? Because you cannot read the end of the sentence, but the bigger right. the word, the more you can actually strain and try to see that whole thing clear at once. Oh, that makes sense. It does. Okay. So then before we dive into, you know, things that people can do right now um, to improve their vision, who would you say benefits the most from this type of work? Honestly, it doesn't matter if you're farsighted, nearsighted, if you have presbyopia, which is a form of farsightedness, you know, related to age, astigmatism, even eye diseases, um, strabismus or any kind of fusion problems like strabismus is squint when one eye goes in or out of both eyes, amblyopia, which is lazy eye. It really doesn't matter. You can improve any condition at any age. I definitely, I was hoping to hear. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, if you're 80 years old and you have certain eyes, you know, like Aldous Huxley, for instance, he wrote a book in the 19, in 1943 called The Art of Seeing. It's a great book. It's out of print, but you can get a vintage copy of it. And he had an eye disease as a child, so he never regained 20-20 vision, but he was basically blind. You know, even with glasses, he couldn't really read. And, you know, he was doing this exact method, and he wrote that book out of gratitude. So anybody can improve. It doesn't matter. You, not everybody will get 20-20 or 20-10. And by the way, as we said, it's only one measurement of vision, Right. Yeah, from so some guy you, in a field, probably. <laughs> but you know, it's the same with you know yoga. You know, I teach yoga also. You know, not everybody will be able to do a handstand or farm balance, right? But just improving, seeing better, any improvement, reduction in diopters will also be helpful to reduce your chance of getting an eye disease, right? Mm. So the stronger your glasses, the higher the risk, especially macular degeneration, which robs you of your central clear vision. Um, mm. and most of your color vision. So that, you know, there is a correlation. So you want to get out of your strong glasses. That's, you know, some people love their glasses, you know, especially younger generation like you. When I grew up, I was like one of the, I was one of two kids in my school without, with glasses. And mm-hmm. the other was the professor, the smart kid, and I was not. <laughs> and I was teased and bullied. And, you know, and back then it was not hip. And it's um, so trendy now. It's so trendy, but you know, I always say if you love the glasses for stylish reasons, just you can always wear them with plain old glasses, right? You don't have to have a prescription in there, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know you have a um, a download for us, the Ten Habits for Healthy and Happy Eyes, which I'm very excited to share. Um, we'll put the link to that in the show notes. But what are some habits? You know, maybe just a few that anyone can venture, you know, just start doing today to improve their eyesight. Okay. So one is blinking. And that's, you know, one thing I think I told you in the beginning when you said your eyes are dry. So blinking is like not just a way to restart, to prevent staring. You know, when you, have you ever stared into like the distance and, you know, you were kind of absent-minded, you just stared. Mm-hmm. So blinking is kind of like a little quick restart, like as if you restart your computer. Blinking mm. lubricates the eyes. It only takes 10 seconds of not blinking for the tear film to get thin. Oh. So you want to, yeah, I interviewed a guy who just turned, uh, who's about to turn 101 and he blinks every second. And he still oh has gosh. perfect vision at over 100. Yes, he still has 2020 20 vision. Blink more. Blinking. Which also, I was going to say, when you stare at the computer, not only do you like stop breathing, but you also stop blinking, yes. right? Yes. So that's definitely a, a connection to concentration and screens, especially. I, I noticed uh, video gamers, especially, you know, that, that play those shooter games or whatever. They, I've noticed them sometimes not blinking for a minute and a half. And trying oh to do that on God. purpose is almost impossible. 
So blinking oh and gosh. breathing, you mentioned breathing. So belly breathing, as you know, you know, any kind of breath that helps you relax, belly breath or longer exhales, blinking. That's why I always say my signals, like blink and breathe. That's mm-hmm. what I always say. And then I, and also, I hear you saying that in my head all the time. <laughs> Whenever I feel my eyes, I'm like, blink and breathe. <laughs> and then we, so there's a connection to especially nearsightedness and the stigmatism to light sensitivity. I used to be super light sensitive. So I stopped wearing sunglasses um, 12 years ago. And there's always lots of disclaimers with certain eye diseases. If you take any drugs that inhibit your pupil reaction, but think of our pupils, right? They're, they're natural sunglasses. They get really small when it's bright. They open up when it's dark. Um, usually wearing a hat, you know, like sometimes it's the angle of the sun because that also improves your night driving if you are bothered by bright headlamps of cars, um, which I used to be. Um, so I don't wear sunglasses. And um, the sunning practice is le- mentioned in the 10 Habits. Mm-hmm. which is a practice with closed eyes. So you can always start gentle. You don't have to just stop wearing sunglasses. If that's too much. <laughs> you mean um, like me? Stop wearing sunglasses. Stop wearing your glasses. Well, you know, a baseball cap or, you know, and, and yeah. But sunning is a great way to reduce light sensitivity and you st- always start with closed eyes. So it's a great gentle way to start doing that. Then the palming, the resting your eyes, which is also mentioned in my 10 Habits. Just I closing actually, your eyes, you know, once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's the other thing. I'm like, it seems it's all so, you're like, duh, but we don't do it because we're too <laughs> yeah. busy, like looking at stuff. When you were talking to about the eyes moving all the time, and I've been sharing my experience over the last 20 days about, oh, I'm experimenting, not wearing my glasses. And I'm finding more and more people who are doing similar things. And so somebody shared with me another eye relaxation, which I think came from yoga. I don't know. But it included putting your fingers on your closed eyes. You could, like, I can feel the movement of my eyes, which I didn't even know was a thing, like that it happens all the time. Is there any benefit to like weighted eye masks or even the pressure, gentle pressure of your fingers when it comes to eye health and relaxation? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you can feel the eyeball, like you said, when you put your, very gently, when you put your, you know, your hands onto your closed eyes, it relaxes, it's relaxation. It's like you can massage your eyes very gentle and also the acupressure points, and I always tell my clients, don't worry about the exact points, like anything along the eyebrow, or on the bony part of the eye socket at the bottom, you know, any of those points that are tense will also contribute to vision problems. Same like you mentioned, neck tension. Mm-hmm. The neck is actually C2, the vertebrae C2 is connected with the fascia, so the optic nerve. So, you know, you want to release any tension in your neck and shoulders, especially your temples, your jaw, any, and you know, you use the balls. I use the, the yoga tuna balls with all my clients and then mm-hmm. myself, of course, you know, because one client to me said, you must be so relaxed all the time. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm human, you know? It's, yeah. yeah. I wish, I wish. I mean, but I, I catch myself early usually. But yeah. yeah. Well, if anything too, it's just to help our bodies thrive in the modern world where we sit and technology and we stare at things. Like that's what all of these practices do is just help you be more human in 2020, you know? Absolutely. One more tip would be to turn the, I use on the Mac, I have a Mac and an iPhone. So I use night shift mode. I don't know what it's called on Android, but making the screen more yellow because the sunlight is actually really healthy for our eyes, but it has a full spectrum. And 
digital devices have a huge amount of blue light, but basically mm -hmm. no red light. So I have all my devices on 24 hours on that yellow, you know, screen. Oh. There's also apps. The one is called Flux. One is called yeah. Iris. Um, Iris costs money. It's a really good app. It has way more options to control the brightness and the, the, the tint. But even if we just do the night shift mode or whatever, I think it's called Blue Blocker on Android. I'm not sure. And the little trick that I use, because you can't turn it on 24, you can't say have it always on. So I have mine from 4 a.m. to 3.59 a.m. So that's right. the middle of the night where it's like blue. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. I mean, because yeah. you can, if you don't have this set up on your phone, those of you who are listening, like do it right now. Because I do have it from like sunrise to sun or sunset to sunrise. And you can actually like, feel the difference in your eyes relaxing to that light. Yeah. And that's the thing that's just a little bit of, because we talked, you asked about nerdiness. So the, <laughs> the phobia where we have the clear center of vision is inside the macula. And, you know, I mentioned macular degeneration. The mm -hmm. macula is covered with a yellow plant pigment, with two, several plant pigments, lutein and zeaxanthin, which mm. absorb about 60% of the blue light in a healthy eye. And we only get those nutrients through um, food, right? So kale, spinach, the dark leafy greens, egg yolks, if, you're, if you eat those. But in, uh, that's what eye vitamins have. Those are the two ingredients. Oh. So if you don't, that's why eating a healthy diet is really important, especially, you know, like older folks, right? I mean, if you don't eat any dark leafy greens, then maybe take eye vitamins, but definitely do the blue light reduction because that's what the macula, that's the area that's affected the most mm -hmm. by that blue light. From the yeah. I mean, definitely real food sources are always going to be. Yeah. I, I say the same, but you know, some people just can't, you know, and I, I'm vegan, but I always, I always say it doesn't matter if you eat meat, whatever, but what else do you eat? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Do you eat those veggies, the rainbow colored veggies? I noticed you didn't mention carrots and wasn't that, that's the one like, you know, carrots are great for your eyes. You're, that's so funny. You're absolutely right. So carrots are super high in beta carotene, which is a precursor to vitamin A and vitamin A is a precursor to rhodopsin, which is a plant pigment that's covering the rod cells. I didn't talk about the different cells. Cone cells are the ones that give you clarity and color vision. They don't work at night. At night, we only have the rod cells. They're black and white. Have you ever noticed everything is black and white at night? They are pretty grainy, but then they only see movement. So you near outer peripheral vision, you don't have color vision. You only have the rod cells. And so rhodopsin is basically gets replenished by darkness. So when you palm your eyes, you're actually replenishing the rhodopsin. And carrots, like all orange vegetables, but also kale, um, are, have better carotene, which is that precursor to vitamin A. However, what I have to say to that too, though, I started checking my blood sugar and I realized I'm super sensitive to um, fruits and, and starchy foods. So I eat very little carrots. And if, if I do, I eat them with greens to keep mm. my blood sugar stable. But yes, so in a short, to say it quickly, yes, carrots are good, are really healthy. But again, also you have to look at blood sugar, which is a whole complete different episode. Yeah, well, <laughs> but you know, but yeah, yes. So any orange vegetables, especially for night vision, vitamin A is really what you're looking at. Vitamin A are the precursor. Yeah. Okay. And for people listening who are like, okay, I am ready to ditch my glasses. Where's the best place to start? Because I know you've shared a bunch of exercises we can do. We've talked about it, but where should somebody get started? 
Well, I always empower, I always feel it's important to empower yourself like what you did. Get an eye chart, you know, you can download it, you can buy it on Amazon if you want not to want to get like the plastic one that you can hang on the wall. And actually, like assessing your eyesight is as easy as reading an eye chart. And if you don't have a helper, I always say record yourself, read the chart, record yourself, and then step closer and check your what you read, right? So you, mm-hmm. And some people say, well, it's about, um, I can learn it by heart. But you know if a letter is clear or not, right? Even if you memorize it. It's, it's like, don't think of it as a test. Yes. Right? Just kind of... I'm just okay. laughing because that's so true. I was like, well, am I cheating? Like, do I remember <laughs> what it said or can I actually see it? <laughs> but, you know, it's like... So a lot of times, you know, that, and I don't want to bash eye doctors and a lot of them, and actually my cousin is an eye doctor and she's a, she's also using this method to avoid reading glasses, by the way. And her, her father was an eye doctor who didn't wear glasses until his 80s. So, you know, wow. actually a lot of times optometrists don't want to give their kids glasses because they know that eventually glasses actually make your vision worse. Um, right. but so, so I'm not saying that they're evil people, but usually they don't explain anything. They don't explain what any of this means. But checking your visual acuity is as easy as reading an eye chart, right? And so empowering yourself to know what, what does it mean? Like, what is your vision in both, both eyes together, eyes separate? Because, you know, what eye is dominant? And then, like, what you did. Like, am I okay? Like, how do I feel? Like, accepting the blur kind of as a friend to be like, hey, you're making an effort, you know, you're not relaxed. Like, was this like this evil thing or that you want to just, like, this annoying thing? <laughs> and just being okay with a little bit of blur and connecting to the feelings, like what happens when things are blurry. For some people, it's social anxiety because they cannot see people's faces, you know, like, so what is actually going on with you? And, and then, then obviously the step would be getting reduced strength glasses. Um, and nowadays we have zenny.com, which is an online place where you, you don't need a prescription. And I wish eye doctors would be more accommodating. I've, not been that lucky um, finding an eye doctor that's actually willing to reduce strength, you know, to, to give my clients reduced strength glasses. So in my practice, I have a whole lens kit. We measure, we actually measure like, okay, let's sit at the computer, like what works for you so that, you know, but the glasses on Zenia are super cheap. You can get yeah. them for 10 bucks. So sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error, you know, maybe you go half a day up or down and see. Yeah. So it's a little bit of trial and error, but yeah, usually I don't recommend doing that on your own. You would definitely want to have the guidance of somebody. Yeah, I don't recommend going cold turkey like I no, do. And, no. And, I'll, you know, and I'll, especially if you have astigmatism, you want to take that out and that's, there's a form, you know, you have to know what you're doing when you go with reduced glasses, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll add the disclaimer. Um, I went cold turkey because my prescription is 0.75. I think like it's so tiny. There was no risk of me running into anything. And all in the name of science, right? We had to test something. <laughs> right. Yeah, you, de- you definitely don't want to be um, in any way unsafe for driving. You need 20, 40 in one eye, in one eye, only in one eye. At the same time, it also depends of if you're a good driver, if you're a relaxed driver, if you enjoy driving. You yes. know, as I said earlier, if you're relaxed, your vision will be better. If you're like stressed out and have white knuckles, you know, then you might even, 2010 might not feel strong enough, right? So yeah. it's kind of a... But legally, 2040 is what you need in one eye to drive legally. And if you have, I want to say that too, if you have glasses listed in your driver's license. You have to wear them, right? You have to. I don't know what they do when you say you wear contacts, but if you get into an accident and they can prove that you didn't wear correction, you're in trouble. 
So that's why I always recommend for you, for instance, Alex, it would be great to go to the DMV and get a driver's license without that thing in there so that you can... Yeah. Yeah, because I have been driving with them. And honestly, in the last week or so, my eyes are straining from having them on. And so if I'm sitting at a light, I'll take them off and put them back on and take them off. And well, you're definitely 24. You're definitely way okay to drive without them. If you have 2025, there's no need. But again, you have it in your license. So yeah. You would have to get a clean license. Um, ideally, that's what I would recommend. Well, and as you know, the DMV in California is like hell on earth. No, no, no. Make an appointment. <laughs> Seriously, Alex. That's like the number. No, no. I will. I will. But here, I have, I have another question for you selfishly. So for someone like me and maybe and other people who are listening, where like you don't really need correction for the computer, but on a day where you're out on a hike and you do feel straining, would it make sense to have maybe glasses or contacts that you just wear when you're like outside in a situation like that? Or what would you yeah, recommend? Yeah, I mean, you can always, you know, have, I have some clients that are okay to drive during the day, but at night they like the idea of glasses or when they drive in an area where they don't really know their way around. I mean, now we have Google Maps, right? It's like, it's different. I mean, back in the day when we used the Thomas Guide in LA. Yeah, you know, I remember the Thomas Guide. <laughs> you do? Okay. Yeah, that was a completely different story. So I, yeah, I mean, if you feel, if, if it's like your security blanket or your security or your safety net, you know, you, I, yeah, t take them with you. But also be curious like if you go on a hike, especially what I've noticed was nearsighted, um, and I'm not, and this is generalizing, but I'm not saying that everybody is that way. But I, I noticed a lot of times they're just looking down right in front of them the whole t the whole time, even with glasses on. But it's actually learning to trust your peripheral vision, which is pretty amazing. It's like the proprioception of your body. Like where are you? You're like, you know, you see a boulder like you know in the distance, and then as you get closer, you can look down when you reach that area, you know, just make sure. But learning to trust your body more, right? Because our eyes are just one organ of perception, right? So you, you know, like sounds, movement, your peripheral vision, and really blink and breathe and relax. Like, but yeah, you can always have your glasses as a backup, of course, you know, mm -hmm. especially, yeah. That idea too, of trusting your peripheral vision, I realize, especially with my dog primarily I'm walking my dog around the neighborhood and she's trying to eat all the trash. So I'm in the habit of staring at my feet when I walk to make sure there's not like chicken <laughs> in the way, <laughs> but I, it's so ingrained that I do that on hikes and out. And even when I'm not with the dog, I'm like, Oh, I got to watch my feet. I don't want to trip. So what an interesting idea and, you know, encouragement too to practice that of just looking up maybe not if looking up is like too much, maybe just looking forward, right? Yeah, like, looking like 10 feet ahead of you instead of, you know, three feet or something like that. Just looking a little bit of ahead of you is a really good practice. And that's funny. Yeah. See, we all have these habits, right? So think yeah. of your whole, you know, you can even imagine seeing behind you, you know, vision happens in the visual cortex, but it's in the back of your head. So vision is actually a passive process. We receive light rays through the eyes. They get sent through the optic nerve at the speed of 423 miles per hour. Don't ask me how they measured that. <laughs> Some kind of brain scanning. But you actually see with your visual cortex. So I always say jokingly, I don't, you, know, you don't see with your eyes. You actually see in your brain. Mm. Um, and so really noticing... You know, noticing your habits and noticing your, that your vision is both the central clarity, which is tiny, and then the peripheral field, 
And that both together is really good vision, right? And how your eyes work together for your depth perception. Oh, I want to say one more thing. Can I just... Mm -hmm. So if you're nearsighted, you mentioned you got glasses at age 14 um, Mm -hmm. and that everybody else had glasses. So when you're nearsighted, babies are all born farsighted and usually it takes up to age 15 for the visual system to be completely developed. And if you got glasses in first grade or second, or like in any time during childhood for nearsightedness, usually there's some kind of what's called adverse childhood event or some kind of reason that you as a child found your world to be unsafe. So your nervous system basically created a blur because you didn't want to see things, right? And it could be, could be unconscious things, you know, but a lot of times what I hear from my clients is we moved or a parent died or they divorced or I went to a new school, I didn't have any friends or, you know, whatever it is, but there's usually something that made you feel like the world is not safe and you kind of retract it into your little bubble, mm-hmm. you know, and, and often that's combined with a shy personality and already being kind of an introverted person. So I just want to put that out there to, you know, to, to think about that when you got your glasses. Yeah. What's going no, on in your life or the year before, the two years before. There was lots of stuff, that's, which is so interesting too. And so I think, you know, taking home that vision is like you're saying, it's in the brain yeah, and it's processed in your body. It's not just this passive thing that's happening. And I know that, I mean, we could go on and on and on. And I know, I right? <laughs> so appreciate you offering me the opportunity to pick your brain. Um, so I'll link to that 10 Habits for Healthy and Happy Eyes in the show notes. But where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your work and more about carrots and how to keep your eyes healthy? <laughs> so I do have a website. So the link that you're sharing is basically for my, for my free gift that I'm giving to your listeners. I also want to say when you click that link on the thank you page, there is an invitation to, for a consultation with me. That's complimentary. So I want to offer that to your listeners um, if they want to. Oh yeah, take advantage. A, it's fascinating. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm happy to give my time. And the other, my, my real website is myholisticvision.com, myholisticvision.com. I have to be honest, that blog, there's lots of interesting uh, articles on there, but I haven't been writing as much recently because it's just, been, I've been so busy. It's but, another, yeah. I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah. But when you download my gift, you also get a link to my Facebook group where I just ran a five-day challenge, the one that you mm-hmm. participated in a little bit. <laughs> I know. But yes, so I do lots of, I do lots of free things too, where you can learn how to improve your vision. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for your time and your generosity and your brilliance. I so appreciate it. And I can't wait to chat more. Yeah, me too. I love it. As you can tell. (laughs) Awesome. What did I tell you? Was that not just the most mind blowing conversation you've ever heard? Now, I just took my glasses off and went cold turkey. And if you have a strong correction, that's probably not really the best way to go. So definitely reach out to Claudia. Take advantage of her offer of the free consultation. So remember, that's the 10 Habits for Healthy and Happy Eyes. And on that thank you page, you can book a call with her. I'll link to that in the show notes so you can take advantage of that. And I really, truly am still going glasses-free as much as possible to give my eyes the opportunity they need to keep getting stronger. And I just made an appointment to go back to my eye doctor and get an updated prescription so that my glasses aren't quite so strong. 
Now, here's another expert level tip Claudia shared with me after we stopped recording is that to make sure you go to the eye doctor when your vision is best. And that's going to depend on you. So start to pay attention, but things to consider the time of day, right? First thing in the morning versus at the end of a long day. How stressed are you that day? Also, what did you do? Did you spend 16 hours staring at a computer? Your eyes are probably going to be pretty tired. So maybe that's not the best day for your eye test appointment. (laughs) Optometry appointment, I think that's more accurate. Uh, She also mentioned that the way they test your eyes in that small dark room, it doesn't give you a true 20 foot distance from the visual acuity assessment. And so it doesn't give a super, super, super accurate representation of what your eyesight is, which is why you often leave with glasses that are too strong and then your eyes just progressively get worse. So if you've had that experience, I know I've had it too, just set yourself up to succeed. So maybe you go, you know, first thing in the day at the front of the week, so you're not stressed or whatever you need to do to get the most out of it. And then her last tip is be relaxed and blink and breathe while you're there. Don't stress out. It's just an eye test. And I know, I mean, I I don't know about you, but I know for me when the optometrist is like, which looks better, one or two, one or two. I get so stressed out. I don't want to get it wrong, but there is no wrong, right? There's no wrong answer. It's literally up to you and what you see. So let's just blink and breathe and not worry about it. So I want to hear from you. Are you ready to ditch your glasses or maybe just get a slightly less strong prescription? Send me a DM or tag me on Instagram. I'm at Halafamala. Claudia is at Holistic Vision Coach. And let us know what are your future vision plans. <laughs> Plus, you can always call the Body Nerd Hotline at 818 396 6501. I'll link to that in the show notes and description as well. And before I go, I want to remind you that all the show notes, fun links, free downloads, access to the Body Nerds Facebook group, and pretty much everything else lives over at aewellness.com slash podcast. And guess what? You made it to the end. So thank you for taking the time to listen today. I hope you got some fun movement in, or maybe you got something fun planned because moving a lot is really the key to a happy, healthier life. So if you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And I would so appreciate it if you head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or wherever you're listening to today's show. It helps with rankings and analytics and all the boring numbers, but also it helps other body nerds find this show. And maybe you just share it with somebody who needs to hear this today. Maybe you share it with your glasses friend. I mean, we all have that friend who has like super cute glasses all the time. Like share it with her, share it with him. And here's to asking better questions, moving more, blinking, breathing, and getting nerdy. Thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and that you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks, and bodywork is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. Plus, the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. 
head on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork, that's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K, to get started today.